Good morning. You're listening to 98.3 The Vibe, and you're tuned into The Image Show. And my name is Robert Pate. On today's show, we've got a very interesting guest. Uh, This guy is a personal uh, friend of the families, and he's got an incredible story on how he was able to turn a negative situation into a positive due to his time spent in incarceration. Uh, He is now in the community very, very productive. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is my pleasure to introduce Tyrone Davis, a.k.a. Tice Stick from Des Moines, Iowa. Tyrone, how you doing out there? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm real good. Living, you know, living a dream, brother. Amen. And uh, Tyrone is joining us by phone. He is not able to be with us in the studios today uh, due to his work schedule. And Tyrone, first of all, we just want to start off talking a little bit about uh, your change. Uh, you know, I've known you since you were, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years old. You were friends right. and family, my brother, my uh, cousin uncles, nephews, nieces, we all know each other. And so you were one of the first people uh, kind of in our circle family to experience prison at a at a right. young age. Tell us just a little bit about the time that you spent and walk us through your time of, of incarceration and how it was able to change your life. Well, uh, you know, I got I got locked up at a young age. I got I mean, I, I, mean, I got locked up as far as the county jail when I left the streets of Des Moines I was 17 years old and uh I did it like a year in the county and I went to prison when I was 18 and uh it was a it was, I mean I ain't gonna lie I ain't gonna lie I'm gonna keep it 100 you know what I mean it, it was a it was a scary situation you know leave the streets and uh go to prison at a young age and uh I did 22 years in prison man I did 22 years 22 years of my life in prison and uh you know saying while I was in prison the first five or six seven eight nine years I didn't, I didn't learn nothing. You know, I was just doing the same old thing that I was doing when I was on the streets, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, once I left Fort, I mean, I got sentenced to Fort Madison, maximum security prison at 18 years old. And that's, that's the prison in Fort Madison with the, I don't know what, 60 foot wall and gun towers and, you know, and dogs. And it, it was a rough situation for a young brother like me coming off the streets, you know? And I wasn't raised the way that I was running the streets and doing what I was doing. I wasn't raised that way. I was raised by my grandmother. And I was loved, and I just made bad choices, and uh, and, and it caught up with me when I was a young man. Yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting when you say that you weren't raised like that, and you know I can vouch for that because basically what you're saying is that you wasn't brought up institutionalized, uh, running no. in and out of facilities. I mean, you were actually caught by surprise with uh, the penal system, and yeah. generally uh, those are the people that we found to really gratify change. I mean, they're the ones that are are, are really submissive to the fact that, hey, I made a mistake and uh, I'm in here paying a consequence for it. Now let's straighten up, mature, and change our lives. Now, Tyrone, you were uh, 18 years old, you said, and you spent a year in the county before you were actually sentenced to prison. And for some people that don't know uh, how that process takes place, uh, first, you actually are fighting your charges. You're detained while you're awaiting trial. And then uh, once you've been uh, sentenced, you're you're actually off to prison. Some people are able to go through this process in society while they're not detained. Unfortunately, you were detained. Don't want to really dwell on the negative. However, I do just want to go back uh, real quick. You were convicted of murder, correct? 
Yes, sir. And as an 18-year-old, I know that just that alone, uh, walking into Fort Madison, uh, knowing that you have, uh, what was it, a 50-year sentence? Yeah, I, I plea bargained to 50 years. Okay, plea bargained to 50 years. And uh, to know that you're walking in with all that time, I mean, it had to have been uh, kind of scary. Did you ever think that maybe you wouldn't make it out of here? All the time, every day. Can you every t- day. The, the life that I was living, the life that I was standing on when I left the streets, I was still doing the same thing in prison. And there was many times where I was like, man, I'm not going home. I mean, this is it. I'm either going to get killed in prison or... I'm going to live my life in prison because I was living a life of the, of the streets. Okay. And now for some of us uh, that have had loved ones in prison, we know that uh, institutions like Rockwell, uh, John Bennett, uh, Old Newton, uh, CRC, uh, some of right. those minimum security prisons uh, are a lot lenient than maximum right. security prisons. Right. Tell us a little bit about the difference. About what? About the difference in the prisons from. Well, okay, from well the difference. When I was in maximum security, I mean, I'm I'm around I'm around grown men that's been there for fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty years. That's you know what I'm saying. Everybody in Fort Madison at the time when I was there was doing life, double life, triple life. They ain't never going home unless they die and they go home in a box. You know, I was I was in a prison where society looks at them as. You know what I'm saying? The scum of the earth. You know, I was in there with some violent people that did some terrible, terrible things. And and I was a young kid, you know what I mean? And I was in there with grown men. Yeah. And the difference between Fort Madison and I would, you know, from there I did like, I'm not like 11 or 12 years in Fort Madison and I got transferred to Fort Dodge. And back then they used to call it gladiator camp because it was a, at the time I went from 18 to 30, 31 years old. Then I went to Fort Dodge and there was a bunch of youngsters. 17, 18, 20, 21, 22 years old. They used to call it gladiator camp. So, you know, it was a little different feel. You know, it was a fence. And there was a lot of youngsters that I knew from the streets that knew me from the streets, you know, my name, my reputation of who I was and what I was repping. So I was real taken care of once I got there. They was, you know, waiting on me when I got there. It was, it's a whole different vibe, you know. You know, I, and I didn't, you know, don't get me wrong. I didn't feel safe. You don't never feel safe because you're locked up. You know, you know, you never feel safe. You always got to keep your eye open at all times. You know, you never get caught slipping. But it wasn't as worse as living mean, in Fort Madison. Fort Madison was a death trap, man. I mean, it, it was dangerous in Fort Madison, very much so. Now, Tyrone, tell us about after completing, oh, 15 years or so, when you're on the end of that sentence and you're on your way out. Let's talk about the transformation. Okay. Well, I can tell you this. I did, uh, I went from Fort Madison to Fort Dodge, from Fort Dodge to Newton, old Newton, new Newton, and then I went to Rockwell. And that was the camp where they, you go home from. That's where they got the leadership dogs. And I, you know, I got to see dogs for the first time in, I don't know, in 16 years. And I went home. I did 16 years straight. Got paroled. I mean, got a work release. Had to do six months in a work release. I did five months. When I got out after doing 16 years, I jumped right back into the same thing that I was doing that put me back, that put me in prison in, in, when I was 17, 18 years old. And I went back to prison in five months after doing 16 years. I went right back. And then that's when I changed my life. That's when I figured I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going to be one of these guys that I've seen over the years. Get out, come back, get out, come back with a bigger number, get out, get killed after doing a lot of time, get out and get killed. Because there's a few guys that got out and got killed that I knew for a long time, and that was good friends of mine, man, that got out and got killed. A few of them got out in a car wreck and got killed. And uh, I told myself, I'm not going to be that person, man. So, uh, 
you know, when I was in Newton, there was a program called, uh, it was a program called, it was like a, 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 a IFI. IFI, Christian program. Yes, that's it. And uh, I knew a few guys that was in that program and they had people coming to, to visit them and, and uh, mentors. And, and uh, I was like, man, that, that, that's, that's something I want to do. You know what I'm saying? I want to change my life. I don't want to keep doing this. So I didn't go into the program because they had to give you TV up and all that up. You know, I like sports and I was, and they had to go like 18 months without no TV, no nothing. So I didn't do the program, but I was interested in it. So I went to Rockwell and they had the same type of program. And this is a place where you can be out in the yard, out on the yard, and you can see your visits pull up. They can wave at you, and and you know there's leaders, there's dogs on the yard from the leadership dogs, and there's dogs from the pound, like the uh, pound you can you can adopt and and all that. So uh, and I met a uh, a few guys there that they used to go in their room and they used to play the guitar and read the Bible and talk about the Lord, and and I was very interested. It, it intrigued me, man. It, it, it sparked something to me that I, that I really was interested in because I was raised in the church as a kid. I used to go to school, Sunday school. I was in the choir when I was a little kid. So uh, by then now, I'm, I mean, I'm like 30-something years old. And uh, I was like, man, this is what I want to do, man. I want to change my life because I know what this side is about. I know what the street life is about. So I'm going to try this other side, man. I want to change my life. So, I, you know, I broke away from a few fellas on the yard. And, you know what I'm saying, I tried to tell them I'm going to change my life. And, I'm, you know, so I came back in five months. And they wasn't like feeling me like, man, yeah, you're going to go out and do the same old thing. I was like, okay. Uh, I started reading, yeah, I started reading the Bible and. Okay. I, I didn't understand the Bible. I used to read it. It was it was, it was intriguing, man. It, it sparked my heart, man. It made me feel like like I was a kid again when I was growing up with my grandmother. When I came back on violation from that five months on the streets, I did six more years. You know what I'm saying on the violation. So once I got out, my godmother, Mikey Stokes's mother, Jenny Dameron, my godmother. She's in. The, she's a very spiritual lady. She's a very Christian woman. I called her from the work release, and she used to always say to me every time I called her, you know, in prison or wherever I was at, she'd always say, uh, "Are you ready yet?" Her and my, and my godfather, Clarence Dameron, rest in peace. Are you ready yet? I was like, yeah, I'm ready. So they sent a van, a church van, out to the work release. And I went to church, and, and my life changed. And that's when I met Joanna, Pastor Pastor Joanna Davis. Pastor Joanna Davis. And, you know, yeah. everybody is very, very familiar with her uh, on the yeah. Image Show. And so what we're going to do, Tyrone, this is very, very interesting. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have just joined us, you're tuned in to the Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. We are uh, having an exclusive interview with Tyrone Davis, a.k.a. Tystick. And Tyrone was arrested at the age of 18, and uh, he was convicted of murder. And uh, he has made positive leaps and bounds. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, we're going to speak more with Tyrone Davis after these messages. We'll be back. And we're back on The Image Show with Tyrone Davis. And uh, Tyrone, this has really been an interesting conversation. I want to say we ended off there with uh, when you found the Lord or when you started to really change and uh, the people that were there for you and had open arms and welcoming you uh, to the church, to the Bible, and just uh, to a whole new different spiritual enterprise. Now, you also said that's when you met Joanna Davis. Take Take us back into this time. Well, once I got out, I was in the work release, and you know, I was already had it in my heart. I was already it was already in my heart once I got out this second time that I wasn't going back. Once I got to the work release, I completed the work release and got on honor roll, which is across the street, right across the parking lot from the uh, work release, where I can go home on weekends and this and this and that. So, uh, well, when I, when I met Joanna in church, well, I met my, well, my godmother Jenny introduced me to Joanna. We talked in church, and she was like, "This is my son. He just got out and." 
So we talked and talked and talked and talked. And she's come out to, and then she's come out to the work release and picked me up on furloughs and we used to go out to eat. She'd take me out to eat and things like that. And then I used to take my furloughs to her house. You know, I mean, spend the weekends and we got to know each other. And, and at the time, she's in the process of becoming a pastor. And she's in, the, you know, what I'm saying taking baby steps to become where she is today. You know, very successful pastor in 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 in, in the world. And uh, we became friends. And and uh, I started learning more about the Lord. She started teaching me about the Bible, how to understand the Bible. And my life started changing, man. I started getting blessings, man. I started seeing things that I have never liked to see on TV. I always thought that's that stuff was fake, you know what I mean? And I started seeing it with my own eyes. I mean, how people would, you know what I'm saying, this and, you know, practicing exorcisms and blessings and how my life changed. And it was a beautiful thing, man. I mean, I, I mean, I can't knock that, man. It was a beautiful thing, man. And it was new to me. It was, it felt good. I, I didn't drink no more. I didn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do nothing when I got out. Amen. And we got married within, we really didn't know each other like we should have when we got married. We got married real quick, but like, I don't know, four or five months of knowing each other. And then, and, and the Lord just, this took us on a roller coaster, man. I mean, we went, we went from the mornings. I was living on the east side. I'm a west sider, you know what I mean? Born and raised on the west side. Good sport. Car wash. Now I'm living on the east side. And uh, it was kind of, you know, it's kind of strange. He was living on the east side, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I got a job at DZ's out there. I don't know where it's at, but you know DZ's, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. another thing, um, that's interesting that you say is that uh, you started changing and you said all these things started happening. You started living the life of a dream. Yeah, for now, sure. Did a part of that lead you to making commends with your uh, victim's family? No, I haven't. That's one thing that I, w- I would love to do. I, w- I mean, I would love to make amends with his brother and his mother and, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I know him. Sure. You know, you know, it's like I don't know him. Right. I mean, we, we knew each other. We well, we we from the same spot. You know what I'm saying? In Des Moines, we you know we go to Glens Park, Black Pride house parties. You know what I'm saying? I knew I knew him. Right. And uh, you know, but uh, I have never met his mother. I would love to. I mean, it, it would be an honor and a blessing for me to to meet her and, and let her know that you know, said I was sorry for that would happen. You know that when I mean I was like 30 years ago. You know, I'm, I'm a change. I'm a man now. I'm changed. It's not who I went. Who I am right now today. As I sat in my in my house watching ESPN <laughs> baseball game, <laughs> talking sure. to my man on the, on the radio. Sure. So you would say, yeah. and you would say now that your uh, your whole lifestyle uh, has pretty much uh, changed. In, in uh, my whole yeah, my whole lifestyle was nothing like what it was when I was growing. I mean, my lifestyle now is like it is when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Now, Tyrone, tell us uh, what do you do now? I work. I work at a, a factory. I work for the government. It's a government factory here in this town I live in. It's the highest paying factory job in this town. I make military parts. <coughs> excuse me. I make military parts for the military. Black Hawk helicopters, airplanes. Um, I mean, I make parts for the military. And, you know, it's very interesting because most of the time when people get back into society after being incarcerated, especially for violent crime, society has oftentimes viewed people as kind of the same person that they were when they committed that crime or identify them with the crime that they've committed. And me personally, knowing you, I know that uh, you are definitely a very respectable person. Uh, You have a lot of uh, respect, not only for for people, but it goes back to show that your conviction 
does not characterize the person. Right. So can you tell us just a little bit about some of the things that you did in prison uh, or while you were out to rehabilitate your your mind, to change your spirit, to change your way of thinking. For those who are caught up into this situation or into these same behaviors right now, one of the things that uh, is taking place in Des Moines right now, and I'm sure it's going on all over the country, but I'm here in Des Moines, so I notice it, is there's a crisis. Uh, you know, there were just drug raids. There were uh, gang raids. You know, yeah, I've seen that on the news last night. Yeah, and so a lot of our community is being sucked up by a lot of this, this poison, uh, and, and it's a behavior that's a myth that relates to gangs. And most people think that because they're a part of a gang, they're a part of a family, and it opens up the door to all of this uh, criminal behavior. And with you being a man that was able to actually spend that amount of time in prison for that type of particular crime, I mean, in the gang world, one— I know about the, I know about the gang world. Okay. In, 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 I, was once, I, was once, I was once part of the gang world, to, oh. keep, it one, <clears throat> to keep it real. Okay. And so in the gang world, uh, to go into prison with a murder case is a praise for the gang gang members, correct? Right. Okay. Now, to actually live the life of a productive citizen is a complete different type of a praise and going to church and, and changing your life. Tell us right. a, a little bit about that. About how what, what the gang world and how it changed from the gang world to where I am today? Yes. Well... Don't get me wrong, you know what I'm saying? The gang world, I mean, I mean, I know about it. I mean, I, I lived it. I mean, that's what put me in prison for all them years. So I know about the gang world. And, and uh, I did all kinds of things in prison, you know, on, you know, living the gang life. And But then it comes to a point in life, man, when you just have to start, you know, being a man and then start doing grown man things, man, and, and want more for your life, you know what I mean? Because there's only really two things in life, man, in that gang world and selling drugs and doing what you're doing out in them streets, man. It's, it's either death or penitentiary. There's only two ways out the gang, you know what I mean? And that's not the two choices that I wanted. Even though I was in prison, I went to prison, but that's not what I wanted when I got out. You know what I mean? That's, that's not who I, that, I didn't want to live that way. You know what I mean? I mean, I still got partners. I mean, I'm, I'm 50 years old, man. I am 50 years old, Bob. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old man and, and I'm, I'm just tired of living that life. And I broke away from the gang life. I broke away from a lot of cats that used to be my homies that I thought was my homies that I thought loved me. And I love them. You know, so you learn a lot while you're in prison, while you do a, a big number in prison. You learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about who you was around certain people when you was out on them streets. You no, know what I mean? Sure. And uh, I don't I don't blame nobody. I put myself in prison. So, I, I mean, I used to blame everybody when I was younger. But then I realized and I talked to a lot of cats in prison, older cats that I got to know in prison that uh, it, 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 it was my fault. I can't blame nobody but myself. And, you know, they, you know, they pulled me up and let me know, hey, man, it's you, man. You did this. You put yourself here. You can't blame nobody. So I kept it moving. I just left a lot of things alone, man, that just wasn't part of that. And then I found who I really was, man. I found my lane. You know, Not I, nobody else's lane where I can hold on to their coattail or, or follow or, or get in, you know what I'm saying? I found my lane. I found Tyrone Davis's lane, man. I found who I was as a man and what I wanted for myself as a man and what I wanted for myself out of life. And I kept my lane and I just kept it moving, man. And, and, when, I, you, I didn't and when you say and I that, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm I'm trying to get in there with us being over the phone. It's it's kind of tough to be able to give you the the sign to let you know that we've got a, another question to ask. Okay. So, so now, Tyrone, you spoke about uh, 
prison and, you know, how people you who you thought were your friends actually right. uh, you found out wasn't. Now, right. one of the things that I'm going through right now is the people that are still in prison right, right. now that need help from the people in society. We're limited. We're restricted uh, to be able to help those people. Right. And there are oftentimes when I was in prison, I thought that people didn't care about me just yeah. because I didn't hear from them or right. just because I didn't have any money on my books or, right. you know, I didn't have any mail from them. Now that you're out here in society, how do you view that? Because, you know, out here in the world, things are moving so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to pay your bills. You got to keep up with your rent. You've got kids. You've got uh, ball games. You've got all this different stuff here that you have to kind of chase to kind of stay with the Joneses. I mean, right. I mean c- being out here is, is not easy. You know, in there, there's oftentimes a lot of easy roads and routes that you can take out. Like they're washing your laundry. They're uh, man living out here in the world, man, is harder than living in prison. Responsibility that you have because in, in prison, everything is pretty much laid out for you. Right out here in the world, man, it's it's a hard task, Bob. You know, I came home, man. I didn't know nothing. I ain't know nothing, man. I was gone for 22 years, man. I mean, I didn't know nothing. I know how to pump gas. I didn't know how to pay no bills. And I, I do nothing, man, because everything. I mean, when I was out, that was I was a, I was a youngster. Everything was done for me. Right, my grandmother done it, or a female, or whoever it may be. And in prison, they do the same thing. So, would you say yeah. that this is why a lot of people revert back to prison and why our recidivism rate uh, continues to climb? Well, for one, well, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I, I ain't gonna use that excuse. There ain't no jobs out there. I mean, there's jobs. If you, you just, you just got to go look. You got to get out there and look for it. You know, a lot of, a lot of youngsters out there don't want to work for, you know, say McDonald's or Burger King or minimum wage type jobs. But if you want to, you know, what I'm saying, get yourself in order and get yourself your life in order, you got to start somewhere. Right. You know, what I'm saying that fast money, which is, is lovely. Don't get me wrong, but it ain't gonna, it's gonna get you in the end. Gonna get you in the end every time. That's right. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have just tuned in, you're listening to The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. And we are on the phone with Tyrone Davis, a.k.a. Ty Stick from Des Moines, Iowa. Tyrone was one of the uh, first gang member convictions in Des Moines. And he has turned his negative prison experience into a positive. He's working now. We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to come back and speak with Tyrone after these messages. And we're back on The Image Show. You're tuned in to 98.3 The Vibe. Robert Pate, president and founder of The Image Program. And we've got an interesting story here. Uh, we're talking with Tyrone Davis, a.k.a. Ty Stick. Ty Stick, are you still out there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Okay, great. And You know, man, it's really nice to be able to hear somebody talk about uh, their transformation, their change, and yeah. the things that they used to do, and particularly uh, dealing with gangs. Because I tell you, there was just a swoop uh, here in Des Moines where they, they picked up 12, 13 gang members. Or, well, they're alleged uh, gang members and uh, drug dealing involvement. And these guys are all you know wrapped up into this stuff. And I just thought to myself, man, I, I dropped to my knees. I said a prayer for them because I know how hard it is to get out of these kind of situations. I mean, when you're when you're tied up into the system and uh, into the federal courts and, you know, they've got an indictment, you've got to go to all these different pretrials and meet with these different lawyers and you're detained. I mean, it's just a, a nightmare. And what would your uh, suggestion 
be for all of those uh, youngsters out there who are on the same path that you were on, uh, out late, using drugs, you know, going to nightclubs, hanging out, not working, uh, thinking that, you know, everything is just all good overnight. And, you know, they don't have the ambition to actually work, draw Social Security. I mean, what would you say to these people out here that are still lost in our society? Man, that's a a, a heck of a question right there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, it is. I mean, all I can say is, man, man, what happened with, with my my life, man? I, I mean, once I put the Lord in my life, and I got around people that had the Lord in their life for years, and 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 showed me the light of what I could have, and and what is, you know, saying what is good for your life. That's the main thing. Just get around, you know, positive people, man. You gotta get around good people, man. I mean, I understand that. I can say it's that fast money, man. They, they like that fast money, the nice cars, and you know, what I'm saying the jewelry, and you know, so they like that. I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean, that's what all them youngsters want out there. I mean, it, but it comes a time in your life, man, when you get a certain age and, and it just it this ain't popping, man. It's just, that life is not what's happening, man. I mean, I, I work every day like a dog, every day, eight hours, ten hours, nine hours, and everything that these these drug dealers or these gang members are out there doing, I'm, I probably got more than them just by working. <laughs> Amen. You know, me, you know and, I mean? me and Tony Mack was talking about that a yeah. while back. And if you look at all the effort that you spent in trying to be sneaky and, and, and sell drugs and all that kind of stuff, and nowadays you look at uh, just the mental part of it that, that comes with it. I mean, sickness, you know, stress. You can actually make more money working than yeah. you can uh, selling drugs, I, I believe. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I mean, I'm 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 proud of myself, man. I'm looking in the mirror every day, I, and and I'm I'm blessed to wake up every morning. I mean, I own my house. I have a three bedroom house, two bathrooms. I own my uh, my vehicle, an '06 white F one fifty pickup truck. You know what I'm saying? Everything is mine. I own, I and mean, I worked, and I worked from the time I got out of prison. So, what do you, you think? Know? What do you think stops us from? having that understanding as a youngster. I mean, why couldn't we do this then? You're right. I, don't, I mean, I don't know why, but I mean. I, mean, <laughs> I think about that a lot because, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, I made the mistake. Now I'm looking in here into this community that I live in, in Des Moines, and I'm watching all these little youngsters make the exact same kind of mistakes, and I don't really know what to do. I mean, uh, through the Evelyn K. Davis Center, we offer them jobs, the different programmings, but there's some that just, you know, they don't want to work. Uh, They don't want to change. Uh, They don't want any kind of positive movement. Uh, they, they just they want to run with their homies, and there's nothing that you can really say about it. Right. And so I mean, this I is, mean what you what you're doing, man, is a beautiful thing, man. I, I, and I I applaud you and I pat you on the back, but I mean I love you, man. I always have because you're my partner. You're doing a beautiful thing, man, and you just got to keep doing what you're doing, man. Eventually, you'll I mean you know you'll eventually you'll get one, you get two, and two brings four, and you know what I'm saying. I and mean, it just takes time, it takes patience, you know. Maybe it takes. I hate to say it, but maybe it takes some of them cats out there, man, to prison life, man, and, and understand that having somebody tell you when to go to the bathroom, somebody tell you when you go to sleep and turn your lights off, and I mean, maybe that's what they need. I don't know. But uh, I know one thing. It was an eye-opening, eye-opening experience for me. That's not what I want. That's not what, how I was raised, and I'm pretty sure some of them, them cats out in them streets wasn't raised the way they was what they're doing now today. Right. But... You know, I don't know, man. It's hard out there, man. I know it is, man. All around the world, man, in these hoods and these projects and Des Moines and 
it's hard out there, man. And you just gotta, you just gotta put it in your heart, man, in your mind, man. And this is not what I want. This is not what I want for life. And I know a lot of them out there got kids, and you know that's one thing about me that I just, I never experienced. I had a lot of partners and I was locked up. A lot of people that I met over the years. That is a hard thing, man, is to be locked up when you got kids, man. And, and, and you taking care of your kids while you're in prison and, and they come and see you. I never had that experience. I don't have any kids, but that's a hard thing, man, to be away from your family and your kids. Yeah. Now, so, Ty- now Tyrone, uh, you spent, you said, 16 years straight locked yeah. up. Can you tell us the people that you lost during that time? That I, that I lost? Yes. I lost man, family members. I lost. I lost my. I lost my my cousin Craig Flag. His mom, my aunt Vi. I lost her. I lost my grandmother who raised me. I lost. I lost my partner, my brother, my heart, Jody Stokes. I lost. I mean, I lost a lot of dudes, man. I lost the people that that I care about, that love me. You know what I mean? And I love them. And I, and I can look today, look like I'm looking around my house right now. I'm sitting on my couch in my living room. Like all the pictures, the people that I lost, are I'm looking at them right now. And I lost a lot of people, man. And it hurts. I mean, and then there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I couldn't go to the funerals and all that because, you know, I was a high security. You know, I was a high security gang member and it wouldn't let me go. So I dealt with a lot of things, man, a lot of loss, a lot of heartbreak while I was locked up, man, as a youngster, man, growing up. Yeah. yeah I did. That, that, that's serious. Yeah, it is serious. And because when I came when I came home, wasn't nobody really there. All my family members that I was, that was there when I was young are gone now. So when I came home, I didn't have really nobody left. I had a few. You know, saying so I had a few uh, uncles and this and that, but you know they're all doing their own thing and families and you know. So I just you know I had to adapt to society and and learn. I was like a baby when I came home, like a newborn baby. I had to learn everything, man, and and and, and adapt and and understand that this is life, man. I'm out here now. I'm not in prison no more. I have to put on my big boy pants and and be a man. Now coming out of prison, what was some of the first things that people told you about relationships. One of the most famous things that we hear is stay away from relationships at least a year until yeah. you're out and you've established yourself. Did you follow that rule? No. Okay. And, and, and hey, I, I didn't either the first time. Now, no. uh, and, and oftentimes a lot of us don't. Now, let's talk about the consequences that come with that far as uh, getting get relationships when I came home? Yeah. Doing what they told you not to do. I mean, there's a lot of things they told me not to do and I did, but one thing was as far as getting involved in, in a relationship with, with somebody, with a woman, and putting all your eggs in the basket with a woman. and, and But the one thing I can say, I did do that, and well, I before I, I met Joanne, I, I mean, I you know, I did this and did that, but once I got with Joanne and I knew it, it, it was it was real, it was it was it was it was nice, and I liked the way she was living her life and where she was going with her life. Where where I wanted to go with my life, and we just blended together, and it was a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong, she taught me a lot. I mean, she, she taught me a lot about the Lord, and our marriage lasted about I don't know three, about three, four, about three years, four years, and we accomplished a lot of things in our marriage. After we moved from the Moines, this little town I, I live in now, I'm still here, and she moved. Back to the mornings, but yeah, she. I mean, I, I give her, I give her props for that. She, she taught me a lot, and I learned a lot from her. Don't get me wrong. Okay, now, but what I'm, what I'm going back to is jumping into a relationship straight out mm-hmm. of prison, because there's a lot of people listening that are in our county jails that are all right. over the place, and so we want to make sure that we're giving them positive advice, the right type of advice, and, right. and that they're able to hear it from experience. And right. I can tell you, uh, Tyrone, for me, jumping out into a relationship right away, I landed flat on my face. 
Well, right. f- first of all, uh, I think this was this would have been in t- 2005 uh, when I was actually incarcerated for the first time. I went to Clorinda did a short stint, came back out, and jumped right into a relationship. And I tell you, man, everything was all messed up. I didn't have any money. I uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I was out. I'm watching everybody ride by in cars. I didn't even have a license. And I still wanted to uh, drive. I had to try to keep up with the Jones. I, I found a part-time or a job, I think, uh, what was it, at the Marriott, banquet serving, and my paychecks. Uh-huh. I just used all my paychecks partying, you know, in clubs and chasing women. It, it just destroyed my life, literally. I mean, right. I had no balance. I had no support. I had not a leg to stand on. And eventually it led me back to uh, prison, back to selling drugs. And mm-hmm. that's what ultimately landed me back in prison. And that's where I spent a lot of time waking up and discovering self-identity. Uh, it's like you said before, once you know what lane you're in, uh, once once you know what lane you belong in, I, I can relate that to discovering self-identity. Uh, and once you discover who you are, you can be comfortable in your own skin with that person and uh, just develop the character of that person. Uh, You know, once I realized uh, that I was a a good God-fearing man who liked people, who got along with people, I was nonviolent, I didn't have an attitude problem. Once I was able to actually identify that, I was able to act like that and be comfortable with that. And then people were able to see that and they were more relaxed. Uh, They opened up more. It helped them, uh, you know, relate and kind of identify who they were. And so uh, when you said that, you know, you were able to really uh, discover who you was. And once you've discovered that, I mean, I can just hear the way you talk, you know, the way you sound. It's not like the old person. You're not trying to act like you don't have to try to be like nobody else. You can be you. And and, and people and people didn't didn't understand that and and, and thought and would would talk down on me and would hate on me, man, because I was changing my life and my life was changed. And they didn't like that, man. They wanted me to be right where they were, man, in, in the mess of all that bull out there. Mm-hmm. They didn't like that, man. They was like, what? You, you're doing what? You, you're not staying out? You're not? You're doing this? And you're reading this? You're going here? You're doing that? Oh, that's not that's not you, man. What you mean, man? Come on out here and hang with this, man. Come on, man. Let's smoke this. Let's do that. Let's drink, man. And I was like, nah, man. I mean, that's not who I am, man. I don't do that, man. I'm good. You know what I mean? And they, and they hated on that, man. They, they did not understand that. They did not understand that lifestyle that I was living when I came home just the second time, man. After doing that six-year violation, man, they—I I mean, I did not want it. I, I did not want it, but I did not want it at all. Period. And they was—they was hating on that, man. They just couldn't understand it. And, and, and it, to them, it was, it was like it was like reading Chinese. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> understand uh, and so you're saying that uh, so you did the 16 years straight for your murder conviction, and then you got out. Yep. Once you got out, then you were violated, you had a parole revocation, and you did six more years on that parole revocation, right? Yep, right. My goodness, boy, that's a, uh, man, wow. Six more years, man. I went right back to the place where they gave me a a work release. I went right back in five months and seen the same faces that I left, and I was right back in the same building, same faces, same doing everything, and right back, and... They was like, man, you back already? What? 
gosh. Yeah, I'm back, man. Yeah. But then once I left the second time, I ain't been back in 13, 13, 14 years I've been out. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, once yeah. I found out that, uh, and I was in Rockwell, and uh, somebody had told me, how you found the Lord. I mean, they said yeah. that, that you had changed your life. Uh, yeah. They said that, you know, you weren't out in clubs. You weren't ha- even hanging around people mm-hmm. that were drinking. You didn't even want to be a- associated with them. I didn't. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, man, is this still the same Tyrone? And, you know, I was and then I I got out. And sure enough, I mean, you're. Never, you know, your name never comes up in anything negative. You're working all the time, and all I hear is positive stuff about you. And I thought that this was really inspiring to have you on the Image Show. Yeah, I mean, there was a time. There's a time where I was, uh, I was living here, <clears throat> divorced, but I was in an apartment at the time. No, I was in my house. I was in the house I'm living in now, and I met a female that I'm not gonna say her name, but you know, if I say her name, you would know her. And uh, she's cool, you know, and, uh, and I was involved with her, and she's cool. And I used to go down there every weekend, drive down every weekend, or she'd come up here. And we got real close, and she wanted me to come live with her and, and get a job down there. And, and she works all the time, and then she, went, she used to go to work at night. And uh, I'd be at, the, at her house, laying down, watching TV. And I told myself once I got out that I would never, ever uh, venture out into the streets, like going back in the day when Tommy's was open down on Hickman yeah, and all that. And I said, man, I'm not going in places, man. And my partner was going down there, and you know what I'm saying? And I was like, man. So I was laying in her house while she's at work, waiting for her to get off work. 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, I jump in my truck. I drive by Tommy's, and I was looking for a familiar car, looking for the homie's car, and I see it. So I gave him a call. I said, what you doing, Mason? I'm in town. I said, man, I'm right outside, man. And I start venturing in at night, man, going into Tommy's and seeing people that ain't never ain't seen me in years, you know what I mean, people that I grew up with. And I was, I mean, I felt nervous and didn't feel right. And, and uh, I had to catch myself one day. I was at her house and laying down and I just jumped up. And it's like, man, I got to go. I'm going back to where I live. I'm going back to Creston. It's like, what's going on? I said, I, mean, I just can't, I can't do it. Here. I, mean, I don't want to live here no more. I can't do it. I had to really catch myself, man, and, and pull myself up by the bootstraps, man. It's like, nah, this ain't me, man. No, nah, I, I got to go back home. I go back where I was, man, where I live at, man, and plug back in like, like a phone charger, man, and, and get back on my lane. Cause right. I started to catch, I had to catch myself, man. I was focusing. Yeah. I was doing well, some things that I didn't want to, I wasn't told myself. I would never do again, man. Well, and these are things that just come natural, I think, to to people uh, that are just coming out or uh, just moving back. But, you know, being in Des Moines, Iowa, I I tell you, we just had a job fair this past Wednesday at the Evelyn K. Davis Center. And I thought to myself, now there's all these people, employers here looking to hire people. How come we don't have uh, half of our community in this building right now who are unemployed? Do you know how many phone calls I get each week from someone saying, uh, my son needs a job, Uh, my dad needs a job? Or I've got uh, my 24-year-old son down in the basement. He says he finally wants to work. He's a good kid. He just needs some motivation. Okay. Right. Now, he, this is one of Des Moines, Iowa's best-kept secrets at the Evelyn K. Davis Center. And we always say that because of all the opportunity there. You can go in and get hired on the spot at one of these good-paying jobs starting out at $12, $13, $14 an hour. Now, for somebody that's just laying around on the couch for the last six, eight months, two, three years, I mean, this could be a life-changing event. And so, you know, I'm trying uh, to... You know, get this this word out here, but I don't understand. You know, it seems like when something bad happens, news news spreads so fast. Right. Okay. Now you've got something good going on, and you know, there's 
quite a few people that come in and take advantage of this stuff. But for the most part, they're not. And it, it's, it's kind of frustrating because, you know, you have people that are willing to invest their time into helping people. And due to the and I've got to say it because a lot of times it's often due to the to the ignorance. Right. You know, and we blame it on all this. We blame it on racism. We blame it on, uh, you know, injustice. And oftentimes that's the case. But right. There's oftentimes where it's not the case. And, you know, a lot of it just comes from being ignorant and, and unknowledgeable of opportunity that's right there in front of your face. Yeah. You know, one thing one thing that they tell you, if you ever uh, get pulled over and say you run a stoplight and you say, oh, well, officer, I thought that that light was uh, yellow and it was turning red. Well, uh, that's what I saw. That's what I thought. Oh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Well, the first thing they're going to tell you is ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right. And maybe that was a bad example that I used, but you know what I'm saying, right? Oh, I do, I do. I mean, my life has changed so much, man. It is the police. I mean, I just, I mean, I can ride. I mean, I'm a law-abiding citizen, man. I pay taxes. I mean, I mean, I'm just police get behind me. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I mean, when I was, I mean, I'm not worried about jumping out, and running, or isn't I mean, that just, a good feeling? No. Isn't that a good feeling right there? Yeah, it's a good feeling, man. To do, I can just drive right by the police and, and give them the deuces, man. They, they, they wave, and I keep it moving, man. I mean, my life is just, hey, man. Life Brother. is beautiful, man. I, I'm living a blessed life, and I'm, I'm cool. And my dad lives, lives up here with me in this town with me, so I got my dad up here. He's doing beautiful things. He's married, beautiful wife. He, he's he's up here with me, lives like like four or five blocks from me. So That's I mean, great. it's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm safe. I'm cool. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm, yeah, for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to The Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. My name is Robert Pate. I'm the president and founder of The Image Program. And on our show today, we have Tyrone Davis visiting us by way of telephone. And Tyrone, man, this has just been great communication. You know, it's always good to visit with you. But I think there's a lot of people in the Des Moines area that are listening to this show right now who are happy to hear you talk and and happy to just kind of hear what's on your mind. I mean, most people remember back in 19, was it 89? 88, 89, yeah. 88. And, you know, we remember the the gruesome tragedy incident uh, when all the gang wars was going on and and, when we your conviction came about and it kind of changed things in our community. Uh, I would say that after that, things got a lot worse, uh, you know, with with the gang wars and uh, some things got better. But for the most part, you know, people want to know how is Tyrone doing now? You know, how is uh, he maintaining? What did he go through? What does a man go through when they're sitting in prison looking at a life sentence or they're sitting in prison after taking another life? You know, how does that make a person feel inside? And so uh, you were able to kind of tell us a little bit about that. And so, you know, I really appreciate that. But can you tell us a little bit more about uh the prison experience as far as coming in with a murder conviction? Oh, man, when I came into prison, I mean, when I walked into Fort Madison, man, I, when I drove up in that in that bus, or van, whatever it was, and I seen what I was going to have to be for a long time, and uh, they put me in a cell with the blankets and this and that, and they put me in a cell and slammed them, bar, them bars, man. It was a, it was a heart, 
wrenching experience. But I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, keep it one hundred, man. I said I lay in that room, man. I stayed up all night. I didn't go to sleep. I stayed up all night, man. It's like, man, this is where I'm at. This this is how I'm living. You know what I mean? And I, you know, I cried and thought about my grandmother, and you know what I'm saying. I miss my grandmother, man. That's who raised me, man. Bernadine Davis. You know, that's my that's my baby. That's my that's my heart. I just lay in that cell, like man. And got up the next morning, man, and, and well, I was, I was I stayed up all night. So I got up and, had, and the bars opened up and they pulled the lever and all that noise and everybody came out and looked at me like I was a foreign, you know, like I was a, a foreign, like an animal you ain't <laughs> never seen before. You know what I mean? Like, who was he? Who, who's that? Who's that? Who's he? You know what I'm saying? I go, I go to breakfast, man. And I'm the first person, first face I see when I walk out to go to breakfast is one of the big homies, man, Toot Ware. I don't know if he's still living. I don't know if he's still in the mornings or I don't know where he's at. You know, big Toot Ware? Yeah, I don't know him personally. Personally, but I've heard yeah. of the name. Yep, that's that was, that was one of my partners, man. That was one of my big homies, man. And I don't know where he's at today in life. You know, I'm on Facebook and I've been trying to look for him, but uh, I don't know where he's at, man. But that's who I met very first time, first, first face I've seen when I came out of that cell house to go to breakfast at six in the morning, and it went from there. Great. And well, I tell you, Tyrone, Tyrone, man, this has just been great. Uh, you know, it's been interesting. It's been. Very, very uh, intriguing to hear. Yeah, it would have been cool, man, to be in the studio. But you know, I work, man, and sure. I, I, I couldn't make it down where you know where I live at now. It's just just too it's too far away to make it on time. So I figure I'm I'm, I'm I'm appreciate you, man, and I'm glad. I'm I'm, I'm very happy with what you're doing with your life and, and the, the, the stages that you're on right now, Bob. It's a beautiful thing, man. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. We're going to continue to lift you up in prayer for, uh, for sure. more Thank prosperity. You. And uh, Tyrone, I tell you, we're about out of time today. All right, but. Uh, for everyone out there, uh, we thank you for tuning in to The Image Show. And Tyrone, we definitely welcome you back. For everyone, it is Robert Pate and Tyrone Davis, a.k.a. Ty Stick. On this Sunday morning, we wish you a beautiful, blessed week.